Until the age of 35, Barry Braun's life was all about money. He had made lots of money, and he lost lots of money. Then something happened, which made him wonder what the purpose of life really was all about. Barry's story will help you understand the struggles that we go through while achieving success and also a big portion of what he does is teaching us how to help our communities. Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. With me today, I have Barry Braun. This promises to be a really exciting, interesting interview because in reading his bio, I related to many of the things he said and I know you are going to relate not only with his story, but in his message, in his passion. Welcome Barry Braun. Thanks Carol. I'm really glad to be here. Now you made a statement and I'd like you to tell us your story after I read the statement. You had just gone bankrupt, you had gone through a divorce, and you were looking for direction for your life that would be more meaningful. So please share that with us. Well, that's true. <laughs> I had found making money really easy, uh, and I entered into an enterprise that ended up in me ending in bankruptcy over it. Uh, and it would have been really easy to turn around and make lots more money. but I wanted to, uh, I, actually after I went bankrupt, I, I actually went into the woods for nine months uh, into a cabin, a walking wow. cabin in the woods, and just spent the time there reflecting on what I wanted out of my life. And the short answer to that is I wanted to live the rest of my life that if I died right now, I'd be okay. I'd be happy with that because I live my life the way that I felt was meaningful for others. That's the short story and that's how I do try to live my life. I am constantly uh, checking myself to make sure that I'm, <laughs> I'm doing things in a way that I can feel good about in the world. And it's not about taking, it's about giving. Do you want to expound a little bit on that? You know, this is a quest in learning what it means to be human. Uh, and I think the human quest the, the quest to learn how to be a better human is learning about why what's imp really important in our, our lives, learning that uh, we really get satisfaction, meaning, and okayness when we are doing something for the betterment of others or the betterment of nature, uh, that we have connections that are 
really meaningful like spiritual connections with others with nature with our beliefs and religion whatever they may be and uh, <clears throat> and i think in our world today that a lot of people get caught up in busyness and it's really easy to lose easy to lose sight of it or it's easy to actually even ignore it uh, when uh, when things come easy in the way of money uh, and you can buy whatever things you need for happiness and that sort of stuff uh, but a little bit of hardship actually helps helps sharpen the, the perspective a bit, I think. So where would you suggest someone start? That's a great question. There's a, there's a study that's just been announced. It, it, it gets announced every five years. It's a Harvard study on uh, what is true happiness in the, in the, for people. Hmm. And happiness comes out of relationships, and, and those relationships are about not getting from other people, but sharing with other people and giving to other people. And so I would suggest that if somebody's wondering about this, they just find themselves a quiet place from away from distractions and wonder about their life, life in terms of how it is serving others or is it only stri striving to get for themselves. Now you mentioned that you took several months off and yeah. that's awesome. Not everybody can afford to do that, of course. No, and I don't think you, you need know, to. You don't think you need to. Ask then. yourself the right question. Okay. And, and the right question is, how is my life going to have meaning? And it's not going to have meaning. Be I, 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 I used to consult and coach business people, and there was someone I ran into. At the time, his net worth was around $100 million. So he was very, very rich. Uh, and he was also a very angry, unhappy guy. He was estranged from his son, who hated him. And when I listened to his story, he said, I grew up in extreme poverty, and I never want to be there again. And I asked him, well, you know, you got $100 million, isn't that enough? You know, at your age of 70-something, you're, uh -huh. uh -huh. you're not going to run out of money. And he says, no, i got to keep going. Well... That wasn't bringing him happiness, and it wasn't bringing him satisfaction, I don't think, from what I could gather from him. Uh, and he was missing out on the fundamentals of what it really means to be happy and human. Uh, so I think if people just ask themselves the right questions, uh, how, how is my life having any kind of meaning? Uh, when they look at that, that's a scary question, and often it can look quite empty. But then they can make a de decision to do something about that and put their life into a life of service. And I think, I think we've heard that a zillion times from a zillion wise people that that a truly good life is a life spent in service of others, or a service of nature, or a service of something other than yourself. It's interesting. The last person that I interviewed on this show made a statement that I know you will appreciate and it it said something to the effect you may not be able to change the world but you can change the world for one and I yeah. think that's what you're saying and sometimes that one of course is ourselves <laughs> and, but more importantly it is for someone else. Want to expound a little bit on that because I think that goes right along with what you're saying. How you well, feel there, about that? There's a metaphor that supports that. I think the metaphor is Somebody finds a, a starfish on a beach and picks it up and throws it back into the uh, ocean. 
And uh, and someone asked him, well, why did you do that? And it's not going to make any difference to anything. And the person said, well, oh, right. that's our fish. I am blessed with uh, so many people telling me in ways that I didn't have any idea uh, that how I connected with them has made a big impact uh. in their lives. So when you hear that that is so gratifying Mm -hmm. when you can know that you know not everybody gives you feedback a lot of people just disappear right right right? but uh i had uh i had a young well he's not a young man anymore he's now uh 40 something uh but he was a young man when i first met him and he really wanted to be in the movie business and so I spent some time with him, helping him to clarify his thoughts about that and uh, and help him get on a path. And now 20 years later, he's ma- just made three different movies this year. He <laughs> was incredibly thrilled with that. Um, and, and they're movies that are, you know, they're entertaining, but they also have messages in them and that sort of thing. For me, uh, you know, where I've ended up going with all of this, is into the realm of uh, community and re- re-establishing the idea that we're meant to live in community. Uh-huh. Community is the foundation of our well-being and has been since humans became humans. But in recent decades, we've kind of forgot about that or minimized that. COVID has sharpened our attention to it a little bit again, but but it's still not necessarily the dominant thing in our our, our our life, you know, feeling a sense of responsibility for the people who live nearby to us. Uh, and uh, so I've been focusing my own particular efforts in the in recent years on enabling communities to rediscover the what the importance of being connected across their differences having a sense of belonging and caring and looking out for each other uh, that developing a sense of responsibility to each other in the community and that's been incredibly gratifying for myself what kind of platforms do you do that on is that social media is that speaking no, we've become one of the experts in the world, I guess. We all march to the story that's in our head. We act out the stories that we have about ourselves and the stories that we live within, like our okay. community story. Every community has a story. And people more or less make that story true as they live in their community. So one of the things that we've been able to do is develop a process that enables communities to shift their story from wherever it is to some new story that is along the lines of connected belonging and caring. Uh, In my experience, most communities, when I listen to their story, there is an element of divisiveness in it, even though they may not recognize it that way. For example, we're just starting a project in a, in a community of about 20,000 people, and uh, it's about seniors. And so when we ask the community the story about uh, what's your relationship, or, or what's the relationship of seniors in your community, 
that what they would say is that, well, seniors take care of themselves. Seniors, there's lots of not-for-profits and government agencies that take care of seniors. And we're busy doing our thing with family and earning a living and making money and that sort of thing. And so in there, without them actually realizing it, they're, they're being divisive between them, the, the mainstream part of the community and what they're calling seniors. And our goal in that project or the, the community's goal in that project is to make it so that their story is that we are intergenerationally connected so that seniors are an integrated part of our community and we are and and our uh, all of the generations in our community are supporting the well-being of seniors very different story and if if they get there it'll be result in very different behavior in the community now you're obviously quite passionate about this my question to you is how do you get people to share that passion within the community it's not actually Hard. I mean, there is a process to it, <laughs> but it's not that hard because most people actually want things like that. Most people are caught up in trying to do the knee-jerk hammer and nail thing of earn a bunch of money and that'll solve all my problems and that preoccupies them, you know, working on their career and that sort of thing, being very self-focused. But at the same time in their own heart, most people know that they want something different, that this isn't really all that satisfying, that they really want, well, a lot of times what we hear is, we want our community to be the way it used to be. This is particularly true from older people, uh, people over 40, where they can remember that kids used to be able to run around the street unsupervised and and neighbors would still look out for their, their kids. and. And uh, and if you needed help, there the help was just across the street or next door. So 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 people people generally, I think, long for it. They don't know that it's possible. They don't know how to get there. But when they give a, given a little bit of uh, opportunity to discover possibility, they're all in on it because they actually really want that. So it's not hard. That's been our experience anyway. You just have to go about it in a way of of uh, sharing with them that possibility and then showing them practical ways of making that possibility real. That makes a lot of sense. (laughs) Carol Graham would like to show you the path from misery to miraculous triumph in her fast-paced memoir, Battered Hope. She relates her determination to succeed as someone who experienced one horrendous nightmare after another, gang raped and left for dead, loss of a child, husband falsely imprisoned, and cancer. Nothing could break her tenacity or faith. No matter what you face, heartache, loss, suffering, or injustice, Carol will illustrate how she became a victor the same way you can. The secret is to never, ever give up hope. Order your copy at Amazon or batteredhope.blogspot.com. So would you share, please, Barry, how we can get more active within our community? You do have a website called happycommunitybuilders.com. So if you could address that question and also tell us about uh, your website. So happycommunitybuilders.com is a platform that we did create for people who are actively working in their community, and it's a peer-to-peer support program. Um, our platform uh, where people share ideas with each other. Uh, they 
causing a, a change in community can be really tough work. And so they, they offer each other moral support. Uh, they People look forward to connections in it. And they also look for opportunities for collaboration with each other on that platform. So if there's anybody out there in your audience who is an active community builder, um, uh, uh, working in their community uh, in any kind of uh, format or uh, focus, then I invite them to actually explore happycommunitybuilders.com. They might find something interesting there for themselves. Excellent. And what about the Good Neighbor app? The, the easiest place to make connections in a community is with people who live next door to you. <laughs> uh, but I've, I've been through communities where I walk down the street and you see nobody on the street. And all you see is people driving out of their car, their uh, garage, uh, in their car, out down the street and away, or driving back in the gra- their car, opening the garage door automatically and disappearing in their house. Mm-hmm. Right? And same in apartment buildings. I've heard lots of people tell me about their experience in apartment buildings where they have no idea who lives next door to them. Oh, my goodness. Right? Uh, th- th- these are the people that are closest to us. Uh, the, they're mm-hmm, interesting mm-hmm. people most of the time. <laughs> and so... What we did was we created an app called the Good Neighbor app, and it can be found at goodneighborapp.com. Okay. And uh, and it's a, we call it an anti-social media social media app because <laughs> it's it's not just another app where you can uh, exchange things with a group of people who you don't really know, uh, or maybe you do know, but in the superficial way that internet tends to cause our conversations. It's an app that's designed to actually enable people to have real face-to-face conversations with each other. Wow. And and so, for example, one of the features on the app is uh, what's going on in our neighborhood. I think there's a, an old tree that's dying at the end of the street. I wonder what we should do about it. You make that as a little announcement. Meetings at my place, 7 o'clock tomorrow night. And your reply is, yes, I'll be there. No, I won't. But there can't, isn't actually any discussion on the app itself. How is that different from, like, Facebook groups? We have yeah. local Facebook groups, you know, that I look at every day. And constantly sure. people are, you know, sharing different things that are happening in the neighborhood, etc. So how is this different? So let me ask you, uh, would you post on your Facebook group, I'm going away for two weeks, and would somebody come over <laughs> and take care of my cat? Okay, good point. Right. So what is the privacy there then? Yeah, so on our on our app, 100% private. You're only connected to people who you want to be connected oh, okay. to. Okay, okay. So you ha- the, the, the way the app works when you download the app, uh, the app is totally useless until you actually connect with somebody. And the only way you can connect with somebody is take your phone over to their phone and make the two phones connect with each other. Okay. Yeah. So you're forced to actually meet them. And talk to them. Oh my goodness, that's awesome! Right? Yes. And so, that, and so that's how that's how it starts. And so you're only connected with people who you know, uh, and you feel you can trust. And then when you put out a message, you can select only the people that you really want to. So if you're saying right. I'm going away on vacation, and there's people on there that you sort of know but don't really know. Uh, and then there's the other people that you have 100% faith in. Well, you can you can uh, just select the people, the 100% people, and 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 not let the other people know. So those are some of the things that are different about our app. 
And who does it appeal to mostly? Well, it, there's three demographics that it appeals to. Uh, so s senior people often want it for security. They love the idea mm -hmm. of somebody mm -hmm. close by who they can call on for help if they want help. And then the the <coughs> 40, <coughs> excuse me, the 40 to 60 year olds, they want to be contributing members of their 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 community. <coughs> mm -hmm. And so they join it so that they can contribute to others. And uh, the younger people in the community or in uh, who use the app, the people under 40, uh, they want to belong. They want some sense of belonging to community. Wow. And so that's the three reasons why people uh, subscribe to the app. That makes a lot of sense because there's so much. Like, I mean, COVID did bring people closer in some ways, but yeah. they're, you know, it, it's such a different world than the world you and I grew up in. It is. It, it is. One of the biggest differences is, you know, when I grew up, everybody was looking, you know, mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. looking out for everybody. That's right. Uh, our telephones are party lines for one thing. Exactly. <laughs> You're, we're aging ourselves here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so there's advantages and disadvantages to that. But one of the things that, and a few years ago, uh, there was a heat wave. And some people actually died because uh, they were exhausted, heat, from heat exhaustion. And one of the calls that came out was, the government should do something about this. The government should check on all these old people. Well, the government can't check on every old no person. No kidding. Right? But how about you checking on your neighbor? Right? Yes. Good point. Right? And so the, the something like the Good Neighbor app is, a, is, a, is an easy way of, of doing that. Uh, it, it, one, of the, uh, one of the features on it is need help. And so that could be... Oh, okay. Uh, that could be anything like I need help. Um, uh, I, I'm, my kids have all grown up and I've got all this stuff. Anybody want it? I need help getting rid of it. Uh, but it can also be need help going on vacation, need somebody to take care of my flowers or uh, I'm, I'm sick and can't get out and I need somebody to pick up something at the pharmacy for me. It can be those sort of things and people can have the security of knowing that's there for them doesn't matter what age they are. Feedback that we're getting is awesome, that people are really appreciating. One, that it's novel in the sense that it, it, nobody's watching what you're saying, other than who you're share, specifically sharing it with, that there are no ads, uh, that uh, nobody's gleaning out your information, uh, as they are on Facebook and Nextdoor and some of the other mm -hmm, apps. Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, and uh, and that uh, it actually is actually building real relationships with people. People are talking to each other. What a novel idea! No kidding. So, where can somebody have a get access to it? Goodneighborapp.com. Okay. That'll take them to a website, and on the website, uh, you can let, download it on either Android or Apple. Uh, whichever one serves you best, so it's easy. Sounds, what an incredible idea. Did you come up with this idea? No, not exactly. Um, so I, I told you earlier about the Happy Community Project. Right, and how, right. How these change stories, right? And, uh, and we were working in a community uh, to um, Windsor, Nova Scotia, 
helping that community change their story from uh, we're so divisive, nothing ever happened uh -huh. Uh -huh. to one look at all, all the stuff that's happening here. What a great community to live in. And uh, and one of the uh, core group leaders for that project had has relatives over in England and she was visiting them in a small village in England. And they had something called Village Helper. And Village Helper was uh, the idea that there would be somebody on call, a volunteer on call 24 hours a day. And if someone needed help, you call this helpline for a Village Helper. And then that person would start calling around the village until somebody agreed to go over and wow. help you. And so that was the genesis of the idea. But that particular methodology didn't seem to me to be scalable and that high functional in, in today's world. So we started on the process about how could we create an app to do this and and then what kind of things would we want in the app like privacy and and uh, and and actually building personal relationships with people. And so this that's how how we came to the Good Neighbor app. So when somebody downloads the app they put in where they reside and then it takes you to that group or how does that work? When you download the app, yes, you do put in very basic information, which is stored in a, a, a up in the cloud in a place that's encrypted, which means that uh, Google and Amazon and those, those uh -huh, are, uh -huh. can't get in and look at it. Uh, and, uh, and, and so all, all, there in, all that's in there is very basic information. It's your name, your email address, your phone number, and your address. That's it. That's all anybody could also ever know about you from the okay, app. Okay, okay. Uh, but but that does, they can't even know that unless you share it with them. And so with that, from there, you go out and connect with people. And as I said, you have to connect face-to-face -face by taking your phone over to their phone and and connecting the two phones together. And, uh, and so you're not connected into a group except the group that you want to create. Okay, okay. I bet you this is exciting for a lot of people. It's it's really probably freed them in some ways and made them feel secure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've, we've had, um, you know, when we were going through the design phase, we had women say, well, I wouldn't put that out because I wouldn't want a strange man coming to my uh -huh. house. Right. right. Well, you're only going to invite people who you have confidence in because you already say you know them personally or have enough confidence to know them and even then you have another <clears throat> you have two other levels of security if there's somebody you, you learn that you shouldn't like you just simply delete them <laughs> <laughs> and if there's somebody that you don't know well enough yet whether you can trust them or you don't share information with them that you don't want them to know it sounds like you've worked it all out up and running as of <clears throat> march the 15th so uh, we're we're having this conversation around March the 10th or 7th, uh, and so it, we're just putting it out into the oh, world. Oh, this is fantastic! Right now, get in on the ground floor, so to speak. Absolutely, that's exciting. But it's, but it's been four years in development. Okay, We've been on it for four years to uh, doing a lot of testing in the marketplace to hear what people really want. Yes, yes. Thing. And uh, and then getting the programming done, the glitches out of the programming, and that sort of stuff. So it's been four years in the making. Uh, from the time that uh, Anne Knowles, is her name, came up with the idea of Village Helper. 
Wonderful. In conclusion, is there anything that you want to say to the audience about anything that we discussed today? I'd like to leave this as a, as a last sort of thought, and that's the relevance of community in life, in personal life. So, so I'm going to repeat the phrase that I meant, said earlier. <clears throat> community has been the foundation for human well-being and it's important for really good reasons. There's lots of research that shows that when we are have strong community around us, strong connections around us, we're happier, we live longer, uh, we have less disease, uh, and generally greater mental health and all those sorts of things. So I'd like people to just question their relationship to their community and what they would like to do they could make that relationship a stronger relationship inside their community. And if, if community is too big of a place, then start with neighbors. Good point. Well, this has definitely been intriguing. And I certainly have never heard anything like this before. So obviously we're getting in, like I said, on the ground floor. Yeah. And also, I think this is something that even without knowing it, people have been searching for longing for that type of community connection. So you are really answering a problem. Well, that's been our experience is that people are longing. Uh, they don't necessarily know what they're longing exactly. for. Exactly. You know, they used to find community in church and many people have moved away from church and there hasn't really been a satisfying mm -hmm, place, mm -hmm. replacement for that yet in most people or in many people's lives. Yeah, they are longing and for community. Well, I thank you also for sharing all the details because you answered my questions and I'm hoping that I was able to think, you know, like outside of <laughs> outside of the box as far as who sure. we are reaching here and I appreciate you answering each and every one of those questions. I look forward to going to your website which you have too, the happycommunitybuilders.com and also the goodneighborapp.com. So we will have both of those in your show notes yeah. and look forward to seeing what happens from here. I'm, I'm anxious to try it. So I thank you so much, Barry Braun, for being on Never Ever Give Up Hope and look forward to connecting on the app. Thank you so much, Carol, for having me here. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.